Jess Roper is the two times English kickboxing champion. She doesn't come from a family of sports people. In fact, her family history is a story in itself. She didn't start kickboxing as a toddler and she certainly didn't find any of it easy. She is quite simply an amazing example of deciding to do something different to motivate herself and then discovering that with commitment and drive, she found her passion and talent. But beyond her sport, she's changing the world as an unorthodox leader. In fact, she didn't even consider herself a leader until fairly recently. So if you want to know what it's like to find your mission and win at it, to uncover what different leadership looks like, and why intuitive movement is the way to achieve everything you have on your to-do list, then keep listening. Now, free leadership wisdom directly into your inbox, simple leadership stuff that you can use immediately with maximum impact. Head over to our website, leader-connect.co.uk and sign up. One small step to take you from busy leader to effective leader. Jess Roper is on the podcast and I am so excited to be talking to you, Jess. 60 seconds, please, to sum up, if you can, your life, your CV. Over to you. I'm a former two times English kickboxing champion. That's a little bit difficult to say. I'm a second degree black belt and I'm a professional speaker. I have spoken in just over 50 schools in 2022, a couple beginning 2023 strong. I've got about 40 booked in this half of the year. And the underlying message that I share with all of those students is dream big, start small, never give up. Raising their aspirations and ambition, increasing their resilience so they can become champions at what they choose. And my own big dream is to speak on stages around the world. Oh, I love that. And and if we can play a small part in that by, by pushing you out on this podcast, then, then I feel like my mission is complete. So What I want to know from you is, and maybe you've kind of summed it up a little bit in what you've just said just now, but what do you believe your purpose or your mission is? Now at Leader Connect, we call it the clear and compelling purpose. Um, You can call it whatever you like, um, but what do you believe that your mission is? and, And have you always known that or was it quite difficult to find it? I think I always knew, I'm not always, not when I was younger, as an adult, as a kickboxer, I think I knew an an underlying reason, purpose as to why I was pushing myself with fighting. And I have greater clarity and ability to communicate that now. So simply, it is to become the best that I can be to help others become the best that they can be. So to become raised champions, but champion doesn't mean winning belts and medals. It can, and that's a great thing to work towards. But beyond that, It means becoming the best you can be to champion the causes closest to your heart. So I'm very impact driven. Obviously, we all need to earn an income too. But it's finding the thing that matters most to you, becoming the best that you can be to lead the way for others. And that's what I do leading by example. I believe that that is absolutely what leadership is. And and we get really you know, as as leaders or potential leaders and people that are listening to this podcast, I think that we get really stuck in this kind of zone of, I can't call myself a leader until I've got the title, or I can't call myself the leader until I've got the level seven qualification in leadership or the masters or, or whatever it is, or somebody starts to call me 
a leader. But in reality, we can be leaders. I mean, I feel like sometimes I'm a leader just in my own home. You know, I have a seven and a half year old. Um, a lot of the time it's it's just me and her. And I know that I am playing the role or, or, or not even a role. I am the leader in our house because I'm showing her the way forward to have a successful life. So I wondered what you thought about that and and what in your mind you believe a leader is. I agree with you. So an example away from the schools and linking to what you just said, perhaps the woman is married to the CEO, the husband, the leader of the company, mm. brings in the income, but she does his washing and cooks for him and looks after the children. She's leading the household and she can choose to, for instance, come kickboxing at the age of 42, for want of a better number. And she is the champion at what she chose. She possibly had a career, she had the degree, and then she chose to focus on her home, on her family. I am aware that this is gender stereotyping, but just in this story, she's a champion. Mothers are champions. I'm not a mother yet. Who knows, perhaps now I'm not fighting, it will be one of my next chapters. But I have a lot of respect for anybody who fully dedicates to something. And motherhood is the perfect example of that, because regardless of what you're going through and linking to my own mum. So a bit of backstory. Both of my parents were addicts and alcoholics growing up, but I always knew my mother loved me. And even though she was struggling, addicts are not bad people. They're people who are suffering and struggling themselves and they need help. My mum is a champion. She doesn't have the black belt. She doesn't have the title belts. But she led our family to the best of her ability. I hope that answers it in a very different way to what I do in schools. So so for any parent... Um... Inevitably, what ends up happening is that one of those parents will predominantly take on the role of, of carer with, within the home environment. And I think it is incredibly difficult for that parent to then go from, from parenting to believe that they can then get back into a working environment, regardless of, of where they've come from or what they've done before. And one of the things that I always say to people when I'm coaching them is never forget those amazing skills that you are developing um, within, within the home environment um, that is so incredibly useful out there in in the job world. Um, so I think that is really, really what the the main thing is is juggling. The ability to juggle is so useful, not just at home, but also in the work environment. And then the other thing that I was going to say to you is is that touching on on sort of parental guilt, I suppose. Um, I never thought that I would necessarily suffer from that, but actually I, I do. Um, you see, I, I feel it quite often that I'm not doing enough with my child. The comparison, um, you know, we, I, I, I'm in a number of different kind of parent WhatsApp groups with friends and, uh, you know, look, look what my child has achieved and look, we, you know, it's half term at the moment for us. And, 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 and we haven't been out. We've taken the dog for a walk a couple of times, but I, I work, I work full time from home. Um, so there's there's a lot of guilt that that centers around parents and and what you've just done by talking about your mum is to recognize that even though your mum had some real challenges, she's still a champion and you are still immensely proud of her. And I hope that for every child 
and we're all children that listens to this, that had that busy parent, you will recognize that actually at the end of the day, we were all just trying to do the best that we possibly could do. And what you said, we're all children. We were all children. We all have children around us in whatever capacity that might be. And I think that is an underlying reason how we choose what we want to become. So I look back when I work with children now and I think I want to provide them with what I didn't have. I And so it's not solely on the parent, what you said about mum, guilt, and children go to school unless they're homeschooled and that's the parent's responsibility and I have a lot of respect for that too. And then at school, they need to be provided with the best experience because we don't know what the parent is doing around the school. Or when they come to the kickboxing club, that's their hour per week, some train more, but one hour per week to begin to learn these leadership skills, the respect, the discipline, the dedication that helps them grow. But going from white belt to black belt. Can we talk about commitment, please? Because obviously... um, in order for you to become a champion and then in also, also in order for you to become a black belt, that requires a tremendous amount of, of commitment. Um, and I imagine that that level of commitment is also plays a huge part in why you've been successful at what you do. How do you start and then maintain that level of uh, uh, commitment? Because we live in a very fast paced world. Um, you know, what is cool this week is entirely different next week. And, you know, there's so many outside influences. How is it that you find what it is that you want to do and then you commit to it to a point where if somebody chooses to, to a point where you become a genuine champion at doing that? That's a good question. And I've almost got two answers for it. I've got who I was and who I am now and how I deal with it. So when I first began and people think of Muhammad Ali, that unshakable confidence of I am the greatest, I didn't begin like that. So when we've got motivation, there's, we can either be moving towards something, moving towards that big dream, which is what I encourage, especially in young people, but anybody moving towards our big dream. And as adults, I believe we need to engage in that childlike enthusiasm our imagination our creativity more beyond what we're doing now and our current identity who do we want to become and that's what I do now so I can see myself in Thailand on beaches whilst working with companies speaking on stages running retreats it will be wonderful and I know I'm working towards that so even when it's tough it motivates me to move forwards but it wasn't always like that so we also have the moving away from pain And I was strongly motivated by the fear of failure. So I'd be out running and I'd be tired and I'd be thinking, I can't do this anymore, but I need to push harder because I do not want to get knocked out in the ring. And I do not want to let my coach and my club down. And I do not want to fail. I don't want that negative judgment. I don't want people to think I didn't do enough and that I am not enough. So that was originally my motivation, that not being good enough pushed me to do more to prove that I am better than I am now I can accept who I am and still value that progression so it's finding your motivation and ideally finding a positive motivation because it is much more enjoyable and more effective I do believe 
but there will be ups and downs. So the never give up, the journey to success, it will have ups and downs. You will have days where it is difficult and you have to know that it will pass and you too can get through this for yourself and for those around you. That's what's always motivated me. And how do you deal with failure? So so you you said that you're, you didn't want to fail because you didn't want to let down your coach family, friends, yourself, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I completely relate to that. However, I cautiously relate to that because I know that I've been in positions where I uh, that has become almost too, too intense, too much in that I got sucked into this zone of um, not wanting to let people down. And then it became a point where I just didn't do anything because I always thought I was just going to let people down. So how do you find the balance where you fear failure, but it doesn't become an overriding influence? By having support. So I talk about my coach and although I feared letting him down, that was me, my own internal voice, my own insecurities but he's an excellent coach and one of my best friends now. And he always supported me. He helped me overcome those negative thought patterns, behavior patterns. And I had his support. And I think then I've learned the ability to ask for help beyond. So moving into business, I connected with a former Olympic champion and I asked him, how did you get to where you are? Because I knew that moving away from kickboxing and into speaking and leadership, that's what he does. He's 12 years further ahead on a very similar journey. And it felt a little bit uncomfortable. But by this time, I'd done enough work on myself that I took the leap of faith and I asked him, can you help me? And he happily did. So I think it is. It's having not being afraid to ask for help if you feel alone and then having the right support around you. So, so true. And again, as leaders, we tend to think that we've got to sit there in our office wherever and think that we should know everything and that we can't ask for support. And, and one of the things that that we advocate at, at Leader Connect is, is A, to find yourself a mentor, somebody that you can go to and ask those questions, which, which clearly you did. And then also I wanted to say, you know, your coach sounds like a fabulous leader because as leaders, we need to be making sure that our the people that we're leading, and in and your case as the as the athlete and the coach as the leader, that the people that we are leading feel that they can kind of come to us and, and, and ask questions, that we are aware of what's going on in their psychology as well. So, you know, how well do I know that person that I'm that I'm leading and my team to spot the moments when perhaps they're finding things um really difficult or what's the particular way that they need to be pushed in order to a- achieve success. Um so so important. Knowing your people is probably knowing yourself and then knowing your people and communicating effectively is probably almost all you need to be a successful leader. There's some other bits, but I think that that's pretty much all all you need. Let's do the sandwich. Who inspires you and why? Aside from my coach, I talk about him a lot, my granddad, they're talking about leaders of families and he was always there. He was always there holding it together, 
And he was an incredible role model growing up. Wow. I think every family has one, probably just one of those people that that really kind of takes the family forward. And that's amazing. What's your biggest regret and why? That's quite a difficult question because when I think about it, that things that come up and I, but it would change where I am now. And I truly am happy with where I am now. But the obvious one would be not getting qualifications and pursuing university because I was academic at school, but I struggled. So now I don't have them. I don't have that academic path. But had I followed that, would I have followed the kickboxing path? So that is my biggest regret. But at the same time, I don't regret it. I think it would have changed your path, quite honestly. School is such a short part of our lives, but is such an impactful part of our lives. And I think a lot of the things I hear from people all the time is, oh, but but I didn't do very well at school, so I probably won't do very well at this. And, and actually, total rubbish. Best book you've ever read or, or, or listened to? I know a lot of people listen to books. I get that. Best book I've read is The Gifts of Imperfection by Brené Brown. And it was a real turning point in my own mindset because I didn't think self-help books would help anybody. And somebody recommended I read it. Reading through it, I realised I've suffered and I've struggled with perfectionism. Mm. for as long as I can remember I've never believed that I am good enough and the way she described it the whole way through the book every chapter I was like this is me this is what I need to do and I it was at the beginning of lockdown that I read it and I only read it because I'd asked asked for help again from a writing coach because I wanted to improve my writing with the goal of eventually writing my own book probably similar to the kind of books that Brené Brown writes because she has inspired me. We have banned the word perfect in our house. And actually that came from from my daughter, from from our seven-year-old. She doesn't want to be perfect. She just wants to be better every day. And and I, I love that wisdom from her. So yeah, perfect is not a word that we use. And that leads us beautifully onto the value and and importance of 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 exercise and moving and and you you kind of said something there which interests me this this you know how often do we do people get up and go right i need to do exercise uh because either you know i don't know i've put on a bit of weight or i've got some health issues or or whatever and actually i that's when exercise becomes really challenging because you feel that you've got to do it. And, you know, you see people out running. I, I get it. You know, running is probably the cheapest and easiest form of exercise, but it can be incredibly dull. So expand a little bit more on on why you kind of went for kickboxing and, and what you think the importance of, of movement is in whatever form. Still can't specifically explain why kickboxing. I think the progression element, particularly the community element, even though it's a solo sport, you're on your own in the ring, there is a community around you. You have a team that train together. And I agree with what you're saying now. But at the time when I was 19, reversing back to who I was then, I was extremely insecure. I was I struggled with my body image throughout my life. I I was tiny when I was 19, a lot smaller than I am now, but I'm happier than ever now. 
um, but I was weak, weak minded as well, I guess, physically and mentally weak. And uh, but I knew we all know, and we're all constantly bombarded with the marketing as well that strengthens that I'm not good enough. I need to exercise. I need I need to lose weight. I need to improve who I am. So that would have been a big part of my motivation. Now, what I would say to people is it's finding something for you. It is essential for your health, but wholeheartedly. Health isn't physical and mental. It is interconnected. Exercise, kickboxing for me, improves my mental health and social health because, as I mentioned, the community and all of these different elements of health interconnected, which you won't get if you don't enjoy it. If you're pushing yourself because you feel like you should, because you're not good enough, which is what arguably marketers want you to feel, they want you to feel like you need to lose X amount of pounds or kilos or fit into the smaller dress size to sell more of a specific product. You mentioned that running is affordable, but I would argue that it's better to invest in the thing that you enjoy. because ask the wealthiest person in the world if they get sick if they're not healthy what do they want to buy with their money so starting at wherever we are from as young as communicating with primary school children to a ceo in their 70s look after your health because you've only got one body and one life as far as I believe. The single most important factor in um, in keeping me sane uh, has been has been exercise and exercise that I that I enjoy and it often changes on a on a weekly basis you know what what I decide that I want to do on, on, on that week it could just be that I'm just going to walk this week or the next week I'm going to do more weight training or this week I'm going to bust out a couple of runs whatever it is and and I also agree with that community aspect as well you know when I think back to the exercise sessions that I've enjoyed the most, it's always been probably in a class or in an environment with people. And I, I try to get out and do as much of that as I possibly can. And um, because then it doesn't feel like exercise, does it? It feels like it's a social occasion. And and then I'm also working my body or moving my body at the same time. And I think again, if you if you look at some of the most successful leaders in the world, and I, and I don't like kind of looking at these things necessarily. You know, what have the what have the billionaires in the world? What have they all got in common? Well, they've they've got a lot of money. That's what they've got in common. But yeah. um, it is there's some form of exercise in there, and whether or not that's just walking at lunchtime or doing something else, there's there's always exercise in there because it it clears a path. I think for clear thinking as well. You made a very good point then that I'd like to highlight about it changes. Some days it's weights, some days it's walking. And that flexibility is something that I didn't have as a fighter. It, and any sport athlete champion will know you have to optimize a specific routine and stick to it. And probably I would assume a lot of the billionaires would have that too because they don't want the decision fatigue and they need to know that they're optimizing their time, performance, energy output and everything. But for the majority of us, that flexibility and freedom to choose. So linking back to what we enjoy, what we want to do and what works for us at this moment in time is 
so important and I and with the noticing the benefits of it I didn't realize how much it affected me until it was taken away in lockdown and I did continue coaching kickboxing online but then I began to really suffer with my mental health and I had like extreme anxiety and couldn't eat couldn't sleep and I couldn't exercise at a high intensity because I was losing weight and I was exhausted and it was horrible probably the toughest time I've been through as an adult and I had to set myself go for a walk every day stop trying to push because I was trying to push myself to do more I need to sort out my routine at home and I'm being lazy and no bring it all back walk every day and I do believe that that was the biggest that was a catalyst to help me improve my mental health again and therefore physical I was in exactly the same place during lockdown and and again then post lockdown and you know getting yourself into a right state about the fact that you know you've not done your five workouts a week and you've not you know you're not increasing your weights or or your distance or whatever just walk yeah because it gives you headspace and get some fresh air getting the sun is shining today finally I know and also you know chatting to people I always say hello to people predominantly dogs uh because they're like creatures but all of those just makes a a massive massive difference so let's talk about your work with with young people as well I'd imagine that when you go into a school you are able to command respect fairly quickly and I know that we work with a lot of people in the education sector I wondered um how you do that that might be useful for the people that are listening well in any environment really how do you go into a space and command respect for me personally I think it helps that I have the title belts and they want to listen to what I have to say I have a lot of respect for teachers and their ability to control their class Mm -hmm. and they help a lot obviously when I when I they introduce me in the assembly But I begin, well, for anybody, going back to your question, it begins with boundaries. So when the assembly starts, I might have 70 students at tiny primary schools, or I might have 500 students in front of me, a huge school and all of Key Stage 2. And I begin by thanking them for listening, because at this point, they are still listening. So that's the opportunity to go positive reinforcement. Thank you all for listening. You're all demonstrating that you respect me because respect works two ways. I appreciate that you're listening to me and I would like to share my story with you. Throughout this assembly, I'm going to give you the opportunity to chant and cheer with me. But in between, I would like you listening, please. And so I just set that one sentence boundary because when I first began, I really struggled because I'd get them chanting dream big and then start small. And then we do this superhero secret at the end. And I really struggled with getting them back down after bringing them up. And it only takes that outlining what I expect throughout the assembly. And they do listen to it. So I think advice for anybody would be, outline your what you expect your expectations and set boundaries and if anybody has any advice for me I would greatly receive it regarding increasing engagement in secondary schools because it's one it's really easy to get primary school students engaged secondary schools I'm still working on it but again with the boundaries 
I will not accept them laughing at another student and things. I've made that very clear that we are to be respectful. It is a space that they can communicate. And I appreciate that they would because it's not just me talking to them. It's about them getting involved. They're still very reluctant to put their hand up, though, especially the older years, 9, 10, 11. At 7 and 8, I get varying degrees of um, response. The obvious question to ask you, Jess, is specifically the benefits of so so kickboxing obviously but but broader any kind of martial arts for for young people but also for adults as well but why why martial arts well it's an overall exercise it works every part of your body it improves not just the cardio the strength the power that we think of it obviously it burns calories which helps put us in a deficit which can help lose weight but a diet is essential for that too and hormones and health and it's much harder than exercise to lose weight but most importantly I've said it before it's the community and it's the syllabus it's the you don't need to pay for a personal trainer and stick to a plan of weight progression if that's what works for you go for it But you get a different form of progression by working from white belt to black belt. And as part of that, you do learn leadership. So I I think it's really good for young people. I think all young people grade, especially primary school age. Once they get to secondary school age, they pretend they don't care as much. And again, it's that age difference thing. But even adults, they might not have achieved anything for 20 years. 30 years, 40 years, who knows, depending on how old they are. And like my mum, she began at the age of 52 and she couldn't kick above my knee. But over the last six years that I've been coaching, because I asked her to, she joined for me. And she's completely transformed her life, transitioned through menopause. And it's almost a form of therapy in terms of that social environment without needing a personal trainer, without needing a counsellor, but that time moving into adults now, not children, that time for you as an individual where you don't necessarily make time to go to the gym because you can do it tomorrow instead. You're going to a class. The class is this time. Put it in your diary. And I know everybody's diaries are busy. And this is something that I have had to work out over the last year or so with traveling around the country. But I make sure every week I'm attending at least one class. Whereas I used to be attending five, six a week. Now my non-negotiable is at least one class per week. I normally do about two or three. Now that's the key, isn't it? Diarising it and anything like that and making it a priority. Exercise, self-care, any of those kind of things have to be the foundation on which everything is built. And that is so much more important. Well, it's important for everybody, but if you are a leader, it's so easy to let all of that stuff go out of the window. You're doing a beautiful job of looking after your team. You're doing a beautiful job of running your company or your school or, or whatever it is. But actually, you're not doing a great job of looking after yourself. And I always use this phrase. It's a little bit of a cliche. It's putting your own oxygen mask on first. And the only way you can do that is prioritizing the stuff for you. And it it kind of, it feels like a brave thing to do because it's taking time out when you could be doing the other stuff that you're doing. But on the other side of the kickboxing class or the run, 
the gym session, the meditation session is genuine, real productivity. And I absolutely know that to be true. So listen, Jess, we've we've come to the end of our session together, which I have absolutely enjoyed. So much wisdom for everybody, not just leaders. I cannot thank you enough. And I just wondered if there was anything else that you wanted to finish on. Dream big, start small and never give up. Thank you, Jess. Now, I have a favor to ask so that we can spread simple, effective leadership wisdom as far as we possibly can. I'd love you to hit subscribe on this podcast. That way you won't miss a single episode. And if you have a moment, please leave us a review. It is the only way people can find us and start their stress-free leadership journey.